funny that as human beings, we wrestle in these moments of truth. On one hand, out of just some sort of compassion or something in him, his very being, out of his character, out of his essence, he helps someone he doesn't even know. And then he can't tell his boss the truth. So he kind of backs away from the truth. And then he's approaching this moment where he's going to need to tell his wife something. And he's thinking, how can I sugarcoat the truth so that it's more digestible for my wife and my kids? We, we get in those dilemmas a lot as human beings where we are faced with telling the truth. And so often, because we're human, because we do fail, we don't tell the truth. We don't live authentically. And as I was thinking about this this week, my boss, Roy, knows me well. He's a good friend. He knows that I'm going to tell an Air Force story, and I am. But I got to thinking about this. Thank you, Roy. I'll Venmo you later. Um, 30 years ago, that's kind of hard to say, Whew, 30 years ago, I was on my first trip to Saudi Arabia, and I very quickly learned that once you got there, that if you had the midnight wake-up for the 1 a.m. showtime, that meant you were taken off at 2, that meant you were refilling an aircraft called the AWACS, Airborne Warning and Command Center, or Control Center, rather. Jeff, if you could show that aircraft, that would be wonderful. And leave that up for me for a minute. So the tanker that I flew uh, was, was very similar to that, except for that very large thing on top. And here's the thought that hit me about truth. And sometimes as human beings, we have limited information. No, actually, almost in every decision we face, we have limited information. And I got to thinking about flying in those days and, and that AWACS and what their job was. And I'm going to draw this up here a little bit for those of you that you know, like drawings. And if you don't, sorry. Let's just say that this is Iraq. And this, and that's really not the Persian Gulf, but that's okay. Kuwait's this little bitty place in here. And this is the Persian Gulf. And here's where we were flying out of called Riyadh. And what's amazing is about the AWACS is you had a couple AR tracks. We were really close to the border, really close to the border. And the AWACS would come up here and fly somewhere around in here. I don't really remember where because I, I didn't know. I didn't need to know. But the tanker that I flew, if you see the nose of that aircraft, that little bitty thing kind of under the, the windows, that's where our radar was. So in comparison to their radar on top, spinning around this phenomenal thing, they were called the eyes in the sky. Eyes, sky. Here's where some, some tankers were flying. Tanker one, maybe tanker two. And here's the amazing thing. We always give each other crap, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Army. But in this situation... This was a joint operation all, all the time. So you had an Air Force AWACS flying here. You had Air Force tankers, airborne gas stations, flying in these AR tracks. And you had fighters 
maybe Air Force fighters coming in and out of Iraq, also patrolling the no-fly zone, and you had Navy fighters coming out of the Persian Gulf hitting these tankers, both pre-strike and post-strike. So you had all of that supporting Army and Marines on the ground. So we give each other a lot of crap a lot, but the reality of it is we work together. And as I thought about this week, I realized something. That in life, we are more like the tanker or the fighters. We don't need to know everything that that AWACS knows. They are the eyes in the sky, and they can literally see everything that's happening, or at least nearly everything. They have way more information. Maybe another way to think about it is they have way more credible truth than I have as a co-pilot sitting in this tanker. And we would go up and we would call it burning holes in the sky. And the fighters would come pre-strike, get gas, they'd jump into Iraq, and we'd sit there and burn holes in the sky and listen to the radios and go, man, this is fun. But here's the thing. If that AWACS talked to you, and they didn't talk to you very much, but I remember a radio call to us one time, Turbo 2-5, head south immediately. <laughs> now, that may not mean a lot to you, but to me, it was like, turn! Because, listen, the tanker, we have no offensive or defensive weapons. We are a loaded bomb sitting up in the airspace, hopefully that nothing will hit us. Now, the fighters are doing their amazing job. The people on the ground are doing their job. But when this, this aircraft tells you to go south... He's saying there's a potential threat coming at you. That got my attention. And before I could say anything, the aircraft commander was turning the aircraft, and we did the only thing we can do, turn, turn and run, and pray. And I think about truth like that. I think about where can we go where we can have truth that's like this? Where can we get all of the information that we want and in life, the reality of it is, the truth that we receive, the information that we receive is filtered. It's filtered through our upbringing. It's filtered through our education. It's filtered through the very information sources, news sources maybe, that we choose to follow. We are getting our truth from different sources all of the time, and we are filtering it through ourselves. So somehow when it gets down to us, we don't really know if we have truth. So I got to thinking, well, where, where, can, where can we go? What source can we go to to get truth? And one of the things that I thought of in my life, and maybe in yours, is I thought, well, the Bible. The Bible has some truth. Because I really don't know who I can trust right now. I mean, I can go to Google. I, to be honest with you, I trust Google a lot in my life, and I bet you do too. If you don't know something or you want to learn something, go to Google. If I say Thomas Jefferson, what do you think positive thoughts? Negative thoughts? Is anybody awake? Thomas Jefferson was our third president. He's one of the four presidents on Mount Rushmore. He was the primary author, not the only, of the Declaration of Independence. And for, for some of those reasons, I have great respect for Thomas Jefferson. But years ago, I learned that he did something that, quite frankly, I was like, what did you do? 
In his later years, after he got out of politics, he decided he was going to rewrite the Bible. And if you go out there and Google it, you type in Jefferson's Bible, you will see that he removed a great deal from the Bible, specifically those things that pointed to Jesus' divinity, his resurrection. And I thought to myself, man, we, we as human beings will often defend our truth, our truth, and ignore the truth. And one of the greatest men that I have had great respect for him, that's not in our history books. And maybe it should be. But, you know, the Bible may not be something that you think of as truth. 2014, I went to Gettysburg with some guys from this trip. I went with my son, Zach. He was on that trip. He had just graduated high school. I love history like that. I'm a huge fan of Abraham Lincoln. And that trip, not only was it amazing to learn all about Gettysburg, but we were trying to learn the leadership principles from the, the leaders during that battle and try to apply them to our spiritual lives, to our journeys. And if you, if you, some of those people that know me, when I go to museums, I read a lot. <laughs> So if, if, if you give me an hour or two in the Gettysburg National Military Park Museum, I'm like, what? There's thousands of exhibits. How am I going to read all these things? And by the time I was reading most of those things, everybody's outside going, Sean, where is Sean? Come on, dude. And as I'm moving through there and I'm watching videos and I'm reading and I'm looking at their uniforms and the medical practices back then, I was like, oh my God, what they endured what they went through. So many lives lost, of course. But I came, I came across this sign. I have to tell you, it stopped me. It stunned me. And I'd like Jeff to throw that sign up here. I took a photo of it that day. I don't know if you can read that, so I'm going to make sure you can. It says, slavery ordained of God. And then it lists a little verse from Romans 13.1 that if you read the full verse, I, I won't read what's up there. It says, everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And I sat there nearly crying, going, that's not the Bible I thought I had read. I didn't think the Bible that I had read and the God that I came to know through the Bible ordained slavery. And so here's the danger, even with the Bible, even as truth, is that we can cherry pick the Bible. We can think something in our lives, and we can go Google it, and we can probably find a passage in the Bible that might just justify our thoughts, our actions, even our wrongdoing. And I never, obviously I never met the man that authored that book. Let's keep moving on a little bit about truth. This last week, I was doing taxes with my, my daughter, Kaylee, and my son-in-law, Grant. And I don't know about you, but taxes is not on the top of my list of fun things to do in life. And, and as we were doing taxes, I learned that what I thought was truth, I thought I understood what a health savings account was. And I made decisions about that and told them, hey, no, I know what I'm talking about. And the reality of it is, I, I was wrong. I didn't know it. 
I then talked to my daughter and I said, hey, your taxable income is really high because you haven't paid taxes most of the year because she's a photographer, does it on her own, and her, her business exploded in that sense. So she hasn't been paying quarterly taxes. And I said, well, that's okay. Last year, you remember, we had you do a traditional IRA. You can do that up through tax day, and, and that'll help lower your taxable income. You did a traditional IRA. I know you did. And then we researched the inbox or the sent items and discovered that, no, no, it wasn't a traditional IRA. It was a Roth IRA. And I got to tell you, I thought in both situations, when I was speaking about this health savings account, which I have not had since 2005, or a Roth or traditionally, I thought I would have bet my next two paychecks that I knew what I was talking about. I thought I had the hold on truth. And I've discovered in my life, for, for those of you that, well, no, let me say this. I think most of us human beings, we think we know the truth. We, we make a decision, and then we will try to validate that decision almost to the nth degree. And for those of you in your 20s and 30s, and maybe early 40s, I don't know when it hit me, but then you have this memory loss thing that hits you at some point in your life. And then you start to doubt even your memories, which clearly I doubted just a year ago, this idea. I thought my daughter got a traditional IRA last year, and when we researched it, nope. Matter of fact, she got a Roth. And it didn't really lower taxable income as much as I thought. We can be wrong. Can you admit when you're wrong? If my wife were standing up here today, she would say, Sean doesn't admit when he's wrong well or often. Jeff, if you would put up John 14, 6. Jesus comes along. And you can look at the Old Testament. I actually encourage you to read the older part of the Bible and go ahead and then read the, the new part of the Bible. And some people say, should I read that in a year? And I say, probably shouldn't try to stab that in a year. But two or three years, it's, it's probably good to, to get an, an, maybe an umbrella that, like this or a foundation, whichever you want to look at it. Some understanding about the Bible in its totality so that you begin to see the character and essence of God, not just little points of truth. And Jesus comes along and says this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So Jesus personalized truth. Does that make sense? Didn't make sense to me this week. I kept saying, well, wait a minute. Yeah, but he also said a lot of things that were truth. Yes, but he personified truth. He made truth personal. And I think about this interaction that he has with Satan shortly after his baptism, very beginning of his ministry as a grown man. And he goes out into this wilderness for 40 days without food, without water, and Satan comes to tempt him. And do you know that Satan quotes Scripture? And Jesus quotes Scripture in return to each one of his temptations. Because what Satan likes to do is he likes to cherry-pick Scripture, and he likes to just bend it a little. His name is Deceiver. He hates 
the truth. His natural character, his natural tendency is to lie. Jesus' character is truth. It's true. He's never said a false thing in his entire life. And so when he spoke scripture, it was from his character, from his essence, in response to Satan trying to quote scripture. For he is the truth. He is the life. I think it's interesting to think that he he switches this idea of truth, and maybe this is the jump we need to make today, that truth is not necessarily information. It's, It's the essence of who we can be. We can try to establish and gain all kinds of truth, all kinds of facts, all kinds of data, all kinds of information, numbers, whatever. We, we can try, we can try, we can try, and think, okay, that's truth. Or we can say, wait a minute, there is a being who is the source of all truth. He is truth, and we can attempt to follow him and act out of our character because he's influencing it. From what is true... To who is true. Think about this. This week we're about to approach Easter. This week is the week of Easter. As Roy said, we and maybe all people, we get a little more religious this week. Thursday night. Some people call that Monday, Thursday that's coming up. Thursday night, Jesus, before his death on Friday, he was meeting with his disciples. And if you were, if you were the son of God, if you had the ability to perform miracles, I don't know what type of God you might be, but I tend to think of the God that I would have been. And it came from my childhood. It's, it's Thor. And I don't know about the Thor today. I'm talking about the comic book Thor with just this amazing, you know, hammer. And I never had the gold hair, but, you know, he had this kick butt hat. And, and, and I think, I, I mean, I just know myself, that's the kind of God that I would want to be. I would want to know everything. I would want to be in control, and I would want to display my power. And his disciples were wrestling with, like, are, he was telling him he's going to die. And they're like, no way. We're going to follow you to the death. And he's like, you guys don't understand what I'm trying to say to you. And then he gets up before that meal, and he washes their feet. Years ago around here on the week of Easter, we had a, a thing where we went around different parts of this building and, and interacted in different ways with the Easter story. And up in what we call the attic, which is right over there, we had a foot washing station. Now, I don't know who we got to wash feet, but I did not sign up for that. Because I don't like feet. I don't like my own feet, let alone anybody else's. But there were some people that were humbled, and they said, we want to wash feet. And so me being on staff here, one of the things in those moments, I, either I do it so that I don't have to engage, <laughs> or I do it because it's part of my responsibility. But I went up there to check on things. And it was pretty dark up there, and there was like, I don't know, four or five or six stations where people were having their feet washed. There were people in line. 
And, and I walked up there just to kind of check on things. And as I was kind of, you know, backing out, a woman who I know very well, and I had walked alongside her and her husband for many years, she walks up to me and says, Sean, would you let me wash your feet? Now, after I got over just the repulsiveness of someone touching my dirty feet after all day, I was like, no, what? Yeah, no, I, okay. And she just humbled herself and washed my feet. And it just gave me this picture of our Savior, my Savior. Maybe he's your Savior. Maybe he's not. Maybe you're still exploring his claims. But even though he had all the power in the world, he chose to serve Because he was operating out of his trueness. That's his character. That's his essence. And then within a few hours, not more than a day, he's hung on a cross. And I don't know about you, but in some way this week, I'm going to celebrate that moment. Because the Son of God hung on a cross, I believe, for me. For my brokenness, for my sin, the truth, (laughs) the way, the life went to the cross for me. That's stupendous to me. I don't understand that. My, My human emotions can't process that someone would do that. Yesterday, we were doing some videos of some of the baptism candidates And one of them brought up a story that reminded me of my son, Zach, when he was probably seven or eight years old. And I would get up in the morning and I was reading and I had come across this passage about the crucifixion. And he come bebopping down the stairs way too early. He was, should not have been awake. And after I had read that, I was just praying like, God, how, how, how could you hang your son on a cross, God? And Zach got on my lap. My emotions just poured out of me. I was like, I, I. I couldn't sacrifice my son for those of you who are my friends, let alone for my enemies. And yet the Son of God, because he was acting out of the faithfulness and the truthfulness and the compassion from God from all eternity. And as you engage the Bible and you see this story that flows through here, you come to understand that it's his character. He lives the truth. He is the truth. Another way I like to think about it is, he's my eyes in the sky. I don't have to know everything. Matter of fact, I don't have the capacity to know everything. When I think about our world today, I can't know everything about the war in Ukraine right now. I can't. I can't know everything about COVID. Is it real? Was it real? Sure, it was real, but is it, is it over? It, should I know more? Should I have done this? Should I not? Think about the racial tensions in our country. Do I know all the truth surrounding that? This, just two days ago, Friday night, I got to spend a little time with some classmates of mine from high school because our reunion got canceled last year, and they did a real quick impromptu class reunion Friday night. And I got to talk with one of my black classmates who has not been to a reunion since we graduated. And he and I just had about a 20-minute conversation about life, about race, about Lexington, our hometown, about where he is now in Memphis, 
where I am about our kids who neither one of us have met the other's kids. And I realized, wow, what I thought of as truth, he, he changed my mind. And so as we wrestle with truth in our lives, as we wrestle with can we make the right decisions based off the truth that we have, I want to encourage us to look to Jesus. He is the truth. Jeff, if you could bring up that last passage, that would be great. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That passage took on different meaning this week as I read the chapter in The Genius of Jesus by Erwin McManus. I don't know that I had ever seen it as clearly as I did this week that he's talking about himself there. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because this week as we celebrate Easter, don't forget what happened on Easter morning. It proved that all condemnation, all sin, and even death was defeated by what he did on the cross. He paid our penalty. The truth, the way, the life died for you. And so my challenge this week, and I hope your challenge this week, is how are you going to embrace that? For some of you, it might be reading the book of John. So many of these passages came from the book of John about truth. Maybe it's, it's exploring that and getting this clearer picture of who this person is and was. Maybe you've done that. Maybe it's going back through the Bible and committing to it for the next two or three years to just get through it, to see this amazing story of God's truthfulness, his faithfulness that was personalized in the person of Jesus. Maybe it's time. You've already been doing all that and, and you want to sign up for the baptism. Well, guess what? It's, it's in two weeks. So you might not make this one, but you can make the next one. Let us know that. Fill out a connection form. If you're interested in going through the baptism class or learning more about Jesus, take a, take a risk. Sign up. And let's say you're doing most of the, all that and you're listening to Jesus in your life. That's awesome. Then think about the people who have not heard that news. They have not met the truth. They have not met the life. And maybe your invitation to hear next week, maybe it's your invitation to go out and just have dinner with a, a friend or a family member or a coworker or a neighbor or to go to have coffee. Maybe it's just embracing their story before you share yours. Jesus personalized truth. Jesus is the truth that we can always trust. He can be the eyes in your sky. And he can help you live and move and act out of your trueness because you're connected to him. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, I'm... Uh... First and foremost, I want to just lift up the guy that walked forward. I don't know his name, but I know that other people do now. And I pray that you're intervening in his story. 
God, I thank you that you didn't just come to give us a list of rules and regulations and say, hey, go and just read the truth and follow that truth. You, you personified truth. On one level, I don't know if I even understand that. <laughs> and on some other level, I'm starting to understand it more that you and your essence and your character can be transferred to us. Your genius the genius of being true can be transferred to us as we connect with you. So I pray this week, God, wherever everybody is, if they're just thinking about you, they're investigating you, they're following you, they're trusting you, wherever anyone is, that you would help them just take a step to embrace you more, to embrace the truth, you, the Son of God. God, often I think about your just your authority in my life, and sometimes I follow it, and other times I don't. That you don't just want to be our Savior. You want to be our Lord because you have our best interest in mind. You will always tell us the truth, even if it hurts. It's in our best interest to hear it. So God, we, uh, we lift you up. We thank you for what you've done, and we thank you for being the truth in our lives. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen.